Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $20 billion promotional products business. My name is Mark Graham, and we are conducting a grand experiment today. We recently recorded episode number 100, and to honor this, we wanted to get as many chefs on a podcast as possible. This is indeed a first. We wanted to hear from them about what they've learned from the podcast, what surprised them, and even what's irked them. We're already thinking about the next 100 episodes, and in order to move forward, it's worthwhile to take a look back. So with that, let's get to it. Okay, everyone, on the count of three, say hello. One, two, three. Hello! Hello. We are totally keeping that copy in. It's amazing. Okay, so I want to throw <laughs> I want to throw the first question to T. Uh, so T, you have been uh, a regular on the podcast, and I want to ask you a question as an interviewer: Which guest has inspired or scared you the most? Oh, inspired. Well, of course, as you know, I'm going to say Aaron Draplin. Why? Right. He inspired me because he. He speaks my language, you know, as a designer, as like I'm a designer, it's great, it's a, it was a great opportunity for me to be able to not only talk to someone who I consider to be, you know, someone I look up to in my field, but also getting to hear his stories and things like this. And one of the things that he was, he said, and at the time, I can remember it inside my brain, I just wanted to high five it, was that he was talking about, you need to be doing stuff you love. And I don't, I think this sort of speaks to, to every single person. If you have a business and you're doing something that you don't love, then why the hell are you doing it? Right. Yeah. It's, it's true. You know, and that kind of woke me up a little, you know, and I started thinking, am I doing everything that I really love doing in my business? And I think it kind of changed a little bit at that point. You know, I started thinking, well, maybe I need to sort of focus a little bit more on those cool projects that are really big and median. Yeah, no. Well, I think it was really interesting. I would say that I was kind of in awe of him in, in these moments. And what was exciting for me in listening to this, and Danny, I'm going to ask you your, your experience with this, because Aaron was a, a pretty big personality, that here is someone who is in this dog-eat-dog competitive world of graphic design where there are a billion graphic designers out there, just like there are a billion promotional products distributors out there that are competing with each other as well as suppliers. But he has taken his passion and has created this really interesting segment of the market and has been able to create this really amazing business amidst this super competitive landscape. So for me, I was I was kind of in shock and in awe, and I just love the fact that he was just so out there. For me, as someone who has been in the industry for you know over 15 years and has dealt with these competitive pressures, I was like, man, you're awesome, buddy. So, Danny, I know in your case, you're a pretty traditional and conservative guy. Uh, were you concerned about the f bombs, or uh, was it something else that was keeping you a little bit quiet in that uh, podcast with Aaron? Yeah, no, I, I got to meet Aaron at uh, the High Five Conference, the marketing conference before, so I knew he was a furry, big big fellow, large presence, and dropped lots of F-bombs, so no fear there. Um, but the fear for me came when he started talking about design. It was a real um, a lightning bolt that sort of shocked me a bit and said, 
we need to be looking at designing beyond just slapping a logo on a product in our industry. Um, he is fantastic at conveying design and messaging, and he does a lot of this stuff on product. The thing that I learned from him that really woke me up and shocked me a bit was that um, we need to think a lot more in our industry about designers and the importance of design in our industry. Because it's easy just to slap a brand on a, a product and be done with it and match BMS colors, but to really think through what an end user would like to get, um, what's going to resonate and be memorable. Uh, Aaron is is a king of that, and, um, and I loved hearing him talk about it. And on top of that, he really represents the idea that, um, you know, you need to be yourself and let the world adjust. Um, and I think we could all stand to, to find some um, humility in that a bit and take some chances and, and be ourselves a bit more. I thought the episode was fantastic. It was nice to go outside of the industry as well. Yeah, I think it's so important to hear that design lesson. I mean, it's something we don't often hear in the business or we do hear about it. It's often, where can I get something produced for the lowest cost? Uh, where can I go offshore and get uh, artwork produced at five bucks an hour? And I mean, I suppose that's fine to some extent to the transactional side of the business, but I agree. He really challenged us to think uh, think about creativity and graphic design as being just as important, if not more important, than the product. And um, I certainly learned a lot from that. Um, I'm going to move over to Kirby. Um, Kirby, which guest surprised you the most and why? When I ask you about surprised, I mean the one that um, – delivered content that might have been different than what you expected in either a good or a bad way? Yeah, you know, whether it was memorable, it challenged me, and candidly, one of the things I was going to say is I really enjoy all the the, uh, PK podcasts where the chefs are interviewed. I feel like I get an opportunity to get to know them, so I don't want to call it any individual one. Those Those have all been really insightful for me. But honestly, the, the podcast with uh, Seth, where I'm biased, of course, I had an opportunity to be a part of it, but he challenged me. And so I don't know if that's a surprise per se, but his uh, takes on content creation, standing out. And, um, you know, at one point I, I mentioned that, you know, how do you keep it up and then, and then not pay attention so much to your haters, right? right. Um, because as a content creator, you're putting things out there on a regular basis. And we've all got that voice in our head that says, who do you think you are? And his answer to me was saying, you know, if you aren't creating critics, if you aren't creating haters, then you aren't pushing hard enough. Yep. And that was, for me, a really good uh, push, a really good surprise, if you will, that helped me keep going. And so that was really, that was a, that was a big moment for me. You, you know what I'll, I'll say, um, Kirby, and it was really interesting when we were speaking with Seth before we hit record. So, of course, this is a story yeah. from that, that people would not have heard on the podcast. But since I asked the question about what guests surprised you the most, uh, <laughs> given that you're talking about Seth, the thing that was really surprising for me is this is like five minutes before we click uh, record and Seth uh, myself and and you are chatting, and he goes on to talk about all the things that he has watched and read about you, Kirby. And <laughs> I thought that was really, really cool and surprising, given that here's this like incredibly busy person, successful author, successful business person, celebrity, so to speak. And yeah. I know that you had not had a chance to meet him up until that moment. 
and he had taken the time to get to know who you were and read about you and you know he was even citing some of the interviews that you had had in your in your uh, Hossman marketing um, video series and it was just I was thinking wow that's really really cool so yeah it blew me away it blew me away yeah and yeah. I suppose what I learned about that is you know whether whether it's even from the podcast it's this whole concept that you know you could be huge and still have humility and treat everyone with great respect. And uh, to, to me, that was, uh, you know, absolutely mind-blowing. Um, Patrick, I want to ask you a question. Um, how have you grown professionally since joining Promo Kitchen as a chef? Okay, how have I grown professionally? Well, how could I not have grown? When you look at the, there's 21 chefs in Promo Kitchen, so there's there's an additional 20, you know, besides myself. And it's almost intimidating to even be around and be involved with those 20 people because these are superstars in the industry. These, there's so much knowledge there and each chef has their own area of expertise. So, you know, I, I love seeing posts and podcasts and reading blogs and, and, you know, seeing videos of each of the chefs because I learn each time, you know, I, I watch something or hear something or read something about them and professionally, it's it's caused me to seriously step up my game. And in doing so, when I lead my staff, when I'm inspiring my staff here at my business, I'm I'm you know at a higher level now. Now I'm ex, you know not only am I expecting more, but I'm training them in a way to to expect more of me. And you know just. Overall, it's just, it's been incredible. There's been like a ton of growth in our company. And I think it's the mindset that has come from joining Promo Kitchen. Carry on from that. You know, I'm curious, um, you know, here you are, you, you started this distributorship in Florida many years ago. And within the last year, you've had an opportunity to grow your business. And now you're in this much larger office and your business is continuing to grow. Can you paint a picture for me as to what your mindset was like pre-Promo Kitchen? Well, pre-Provo Kitchen, I, I was starting to get more into the mentality of, you know, growing relationships as opposed to just transactional, yep. you know, exchanges with, with customers. So now my mindset is, you know, we turn customers into clients and we use the e-commerce portal as a first step. And that's how we hook them. We have a successful transaction. And then from there, we have the opportunity now to get to know these people and these, these clients and do more and more business with them. And since joining Promo Kitchen, I mean, it's really caused me to see the value of relationships. Right. And that kind of helped me move to that next step where I was thinking about it before, now I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, Marshall, uh, what role do you see Promo Kitchen playing in the industry? And can you think of any specific examples where a positive impact has been made since you've been a chef? Well, hey, thanks. So I think what's really great is Promo Kitchen is always focused on the future. You know, if you listen to the podcast or read the blogs or everything, a lot of it is all geared to, hey, what's around the corner? You know, and it's talking about a lot of times that disruptive thing that's coming. What are we going to do about this? Or did you see this new tech or this new app? Or look at this company and how they're doing whatever they're famous for. And so uh, you look at a lot of the 
the really fun things that uh, Promo Kitchen has done. And I think the next 100 episodes is really going to be focused on delivering that value to the listeners because, let's face it, as industry leaders, we have our fingers on the pulse and we're constantly learning and we're bumping up against all these people like, uh, you know, Seth or Aaron Drapel and that kind of stuff. And so it's just, it's just a really wonderful opportunity to engage our audience and deliver that value on a constant basis. That's what I see. I'll give you a shout out, Marshall, that you were responsible for bringing uh, Tony Wavering from BidPress onto the podcast. And that was just, just this past year. And I understand that you've had a, a mentor type rela- or advisory uh, type relationship with Tony. And, you know, for those uh, people that aren't familiar with his story, I would encourage you to go back and listen to PK podcast number 95. But I, I remember being struck when I was sitting kind of in the co-seat with you, Marshall, that Tony had come from outside the industry, had uh, had taken a very unique look at the business and was now creating this technological solution that he had built offshore and was now um, bringing together screen printers and creating this technological um, bidding model, which I've never really seen before. And I just remember being fascinated by him. And, uh, and I think that he's been quite successful since. So you talk about turning the corner and looking what's out there. That was a great example of it. Yeah, Tony's wonderful. And what a smart guy. And talk about fully committed. I mean, you know, how many people do you know that just move to the other side of the planet to help be there while the programmers are building the website? And I don't know of anybody that's that committed to their idea, you know. And there are probably thousands of guys just like that. And I think when we talk about what is PK going to be doing in the future, we're going to be finding people just like that and and bringing them to the surface and going, hey, let's look at what this person's doing and how you can take a – some value from that and just kind of piggybacking on what Kirby was talking about, Seth Godin, when I listened to that and when I saw him at the PPAI show, you know, I write a blog every week and I just realized, wow, I could be doing so much more. And it really inspired me just to push the envelope for what I was already doing and just bump it up another notch. And so that's the value that I think we're bringing every day. Yeah. Um, Kirby, what guests should we have on the podcast that we've yet to have? Ooh, that's a good one. There's a bunch, right? Um, yeah. So the ones that popped in my head, one of the people that I'm still trying to track down for my show is Gary Vaynerchuk. I think he'd be a really awesome uh, guest. But the one who I think would be really interesting, and again, Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mark Mark has uh, positioned, uh, put out little blog posts about things not to do. Yep. <laughs> when you're a startup, yep. and one of the things yeah. I talked about is not to do swag, yeah. and uh, as you know, I've written a blog post kind of uh, arguing with that. I think yep. that'd be a super interesting conversation to uh, to actually have. Whether we can track him down is a different question, but I think that would be a neat discussion. Right, I agree. I mean, he's a super controversial person, and as and and I think would make for a great interview. I think that we should task you, Kirby, to go and reach out to him and, <laughs> and see if he wants to come on. What do you think about that? <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm down. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. 
Danny, I want to um, reminisce a little bit about uh, a podcast that I thought was amusing as well as very interesting. I wanted to get your take on it as well. So it's a bit of a story. So this was maybe two years ago. You and I, Danny, were, I think, lamenting uh, the practices of overseas suppliers that email you out of the blue with uh, poor English selling things like flash drives and baseball hats and and, and the like. And of course, all of us on this call receive those uh, those emails by the dozen, I'm sure, every day. And I, I remember you and I were going back and forth and, and we came up with this idea. I said, well, like, why don't we email this particular person? In, in this case, his name was Golden Wang was his name, uh, emailed him and said, listen, we're, we're not interested in buying your USB drives or your baseball hats. But what we're really interested in is whether you'll come onto this podcast that we host in North America, where we are trying to, you know, understand the white elephants and and really get into things. And would you be interested to come in and talk about uh, the relationship between China and North American distributors? And much to our surprise, he said, yeah, I'm up for it. And uh, we managed to, you know, go and record it. And um, I wanted to throw this at you, Danny, that uh, (laughs) like, what was it about that episode that, uh, you know, uh, appealed to you or made you think a little bit differently about how Chinese suppliers uh, interact with us? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I just think the name in and of itself, we sort of giggled. I remember this was your idea, if I recall, and uh, and I think you were joking about it. And I said, I think we really should do this. And then you went ahead and asked. So um, kudos to you. And, and just I think everybody in the Promo Kitchen community can uh, just say, you know, on that note, thank you, Mark, for being such a great steward and, and leader of the Promo Kitchen podcast series. You've been fantastic. And I love the fact that you just say, call Mark Cuban, call Golden Wang. Uh, you know, get these people on the show and let's ask them, you know. Uh, I remember we tried to get, uh, just on a side note, we tried to get the guy who created the coolest, the, the largest crowdfunding campaign ever. It didn't work out, but that was early in the days. But as far as, as Shiny Fox and Golden Lang goes, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, most of that made me realize, that conversation made me realize that there are thousands of Golden Wangs out there all trying to get uh, their door open to the U.S. to to do business with suppliers and, in this situation, reaching out to distributors. Um, So he really was just sort of a, I don't know, an icon of of someone who who reached out and we responded back. But I think what we realized was that, you know, we don't have to be so afraid. Um, You know, we do need to have some concerns. We need to trust our supply chains. Uh, But Golden Wang seemed like a great guy, less the broken English. He seemed like he was willing to offer service and value. And so I think as a distributor, it just had me pause for a bit. There's a lot of shady folks out there. I don't think Golden Wang is one of them. Um, And I think he indicated that there were a lot of folks in the industry and in China that were going to take advantage of you. But there were some really good, hardworking folks that were there to help. Um, And so it also caused me to focus on value uh, for my customers better because these folks are reaching out to our customers as well. Like that's really what um, I took away from it. And I think that you and I had a private call after this was that, sure, to be honest, we didn't think that he would respond. And we also thought it was rather amusing b- because of the nature of the email. We've all received some emails with some amusing English and, and gaffes that have been made. And But I walked away quite humbled because, A, you're right, he seemed like a good guy. He was trying his best. Um, he was certainly eager to get business wherever he could get it. And what I walked away from is I said, well, you know, he may not be resonating with me as a potential customer, 
today in 2015, because I think it was 2015 when we recorded it. But I thought to myself, I said, if this guy is giving this much effort right now, think about what it could be like in three years with greater technological advances that bring the countries even closer together. And I try to think, and, and you think about the impact of Alibaba. We talked a little bit about that as well on the podcast. And I just thought, you know what? The, this is not a group of people to take lightly. That was my one thing. And the other thing was, this is just someone who's exactly like you and I. They're hustling, they're trying to grow their business, and they're trying to do it developing relationships. And um, there may be a little bit of cultural gap at this particular point, but that's going to close pretty soon. So en- enough um, cheering us on and saying what a great job we've done. Marshall, I want to um, get your opinion on what it is that we what it is that we've missed. What is it that the podcast could be doing a better job of? Hmm. I'm not really sure. I think maybe a deeper dive into some products. Yeah. And uh, you know, we always kind of skim the surface on you know uh, whatever the whatever the item is and who's responsible and what they kind of do, but we never really talk about what's going on with things. You know, I'm an apparel guy, and there's so many new exciting things going on. You know, with polyester fabrics and uh, different decoration techniques, and to digital print or sublimate or whatever. We never really do that deep dive into things. So maybe that could be something worth uh, considering. More like product tutorials. And I think that's a great idea when I know when we were first creating the idea for this podcast, it was all about interviewing interesting people, addressing white elephants, taking on topics that were potentially controversial and getting people to weigh in on it. I, I know that in the early days, the concern with focusing on product was that it might turn into a sales pitch. Um, but I think what we've seen is that there is a desire for, you know, greater education, you know, within some of the more tactical things. And um, so that's not a bad idea. Kirby, I'll throw it over to you. You've been involved as an interviewer and you've, you've seen this. What are some of the areas you think that we could improve in terms of, you know, whether it's topics, whether it's speakers, whether it's approaches, whether it's, do we need video? Uh, I know, Danny, you've had some thoughts on that. Like, what, what can we be doing to shake this up for the next 100 episodes? The thing that pops into my mind is consistency. And it's a weird thing to say when you've ha- we've had 100 episodes, right? Because yep. you're like, well, gosh. But I think from, uh, you know, from a listenership standpoint, I'd like to see us say, look, we're doing this once a month, twice a month, whatever it is, and be a little bit, like, I, I think sometimes, from my perspective, we ask people to fi- stumble upon it. Right, we promote it through social or whatever, but there's not a, sort of a must-see TV kind of feel about it. I think we could say, look, every Wednesday or every the first Wednesday of every month. I mean, we can decide what that consistency is. Yep. But I think that that would help our overall listenership because they know when to expect it, and yep. I could I, I feel like that would be helpful long term. Right. Well, and you make a great point, and I know certainly with your own blog and your podcast and your video series, I've even interviewed you about this, Kirby, that uh, Mm -hmm. one of your golden rules, and I think the keys to your success, is consistency. Uh, Bill Petrie is also someone who has seen a lot of benefit by being consistent. He publishes that blog like twice a week, regardless of what's going on um, <laughs> yeah. with, with him and his business and his life. So it's uh, it's extraordinary. I do agree that there's some some value there. Well, and again, please understand, I'm not knocking it. It's just one of those where I'm like, I think sometimes if we, because obviously, and you in particular, Mark, and I'm not trying to 
blow sunshine, but you've done a great job on this. But this is one of those things I was like, gosh, this might be one way to take it to the next level. I've got one for you, Danny. You have always been really good at challenging tradition, and you've also been really good at challenging me on a number of things with regard to Promo Kitchen and a number of different areas. Where is the Promo Kitchen podcast sucking and how can it be better? I'm going to ask you that a little bit more directly. Wow, that's tough. Um, I think, I think, I just want to say where we're doing well is we're, we're staying close to um, the idea that um, we need to have integrity in what we do. So I feel like we are focused on um, covering the hard topics. Sometimes topics that PPAI or ASI or other other um, media outlets won't cover. And I think that's an area that um, I'm proud of. Uh, and I think it's an area we can continue to excel. And I think Marshall was talking a little bit about that. Um, where do we suck? I, you know, your Canadian accent comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm taking lessons. Um, the, uh, I, I think we are, um, I don't know. You know, I just don't know. I think we're doing a really good job. I, that sounds so cocky and, and I want to be more humble about it, but we're an all volunteer organization. You know, we're, we're running on uh, the fumes of, of our hearts and souls and our minds. And, uh, and so I think as an insider, it's tough for me to say, because I know how hard it is to put these things together. Um, I think maybe uh, continuing to cover some of those tough topics that uh, are a little icky, you know, and to bring people, if they're willing to speak onto the show, to speak to those issues. But I can't, I don't have an answer. I'm sorry, man. I, I think the whole um, the issue with my Canadian accent is probably the best answer. You know, it's the honest it's the honest answer. <laughs> True. <laughs> I, I think uh, Aubrey has just dialed. Aubrey, you're here. I am now here. Yes. Aubrey <laughs> in hey. the house. Sorry about that. Hello, hello. All right, you hello. have just dialed in, and you are going to get a question right now. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> so we have produced. Uh, 100 podcasts, actually 101 podcasts, because I just did a great one with uh, Dave Nicholson yesterday, all about the acquisition of Polyconcept by Charles Bank Capital Partners. So it's actually 101 episodes we've produced. What's been the most memorable lesson that you have learned of all the podcasts you've listened to? I would say my, my favorite is probably the one that you did live with Seth Godin. And I know that's I would imagine probably the most listened to as well. And I think, I mean, I took a lot away from that one, but uh, one of the things especially is just kind of thinking about ways to stand out, whether individually or as an industry, I think has been an important lesson. And then just looking ahead in different ways to kind of embrace vulnerability and trying different things and being okay with, with failure, I, I would say that those are, you know, um, lessons that I feel like I always need to learn and relearn again and again. And I feel like that's um, that's something that not a lot of outlets in the industry are really talking about. And I feel like it's good that that those are at the forefront of, of some of the things that we're talking about. So not not to put you on the spot, but there's a word that you mentioned in your answer that really 
um, struck out at me and that was vulnerability and in terms of like how that is something like that's been a memorable lesson for you. If I think about and, and I want to give a shout out to everyone that Aubrey, you are one of the uh, one of the newer chefs in Promo Kitchen and you've uh, delivered incredible value, particularly on the social side and the content side. So a huge shout out to you for everything that you've done. Thank you. <laughs> um, but if you think about your time in Promo Kitchen, Mm-hmm. And, and this whole concept of uh, understanding and embracing failure and understanding, you know, those vulnerable moments, are you more comfortable with your vulnerability and failure now than you were, say, two years ago before you joined Promo Kitchen? You know, it's a pretty high, um, high level question. but Absolutely. I feel like before joining Promo Kitchen and getting to, to, to know everyone, um, my you know, vulnerability is something that I hid a lot and I tried to pretend and I maybe even hid from myself and tried to pretend wasn't there and then getting to know people and people that, you know, I, I'd been in the industry for a few years before I got to know everybody and so it was people that I had been watching from afar or reading from afar or listening to from afar and getting to know those people that I really respected and getting to know them at a, on a personal level and realizing that they deal with the same fears, for right. lack of a better word, or will try to kind of caution themselves to going into different areas, and but that they'll push beyond that and that they're supportive to each other and understanding that it's okay to fail. That's been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn in life is that it's not, and not only is it okay to fail, it's important to fail and you have to put yourself out there and not just kind of stay on the sidelines because uh, that's what I kind of was doing. I would, you know, put my company out there, but I wasn't putting myself out there. Right. And in doing so over the last couple of years, it's changed my perspective on life. It's changed my career and it's changed, you know, changed my me in so many different ways. And I feel like being involved in Promo Kitchen and getting to know everybody and working with everybody has been central to that for sure. Well, I think the industry certainly needs more Aubrey and, um, you know, and me getting to know you over the last, you know, little while, Aubrey, that um, like I remember you and I had a conversation. I don't know. It was maybe like two years ago. And you said, I've always wanted to write. I did humanities in college and Mm -hmm. but you'd never done it because either you were scared or you were too busy or you didn't really know what you were doing. I remember having the conversation when I said, Aubrey, like you should just do this. Like you're so well-spoken and your writing style is so irreverent and interesting, like just go for it. What are you waiting for? And and you launched it and it's been great. So right, kudos right. to you. Thank you. Um, well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, Kirby, um, I want to ask you, you're, you're a guy who listens to lots of podcasts. What podcasts are you listening to that others in the Promo Kitchen community should be listening to as well? Let's see. Podcasts I'm listening to. The Entrepreneur on Fire podcast is one that I listen to. Uh, a fair amount. I like that a lot. I just started listening to a startup, which uh, you actually turned me on to, um, and I dig that one. And then um, a Profit First. Profit First is one, especially for those who are principals, whether they be suppliers or uh, distributors. Uh, it's one about just running a profitable business and tips on how to do that. So those are, those are three. Uh, Entrepreneur on Fire is literally every single day. Yeah. So you talk about consistency. He interviews a different entrepreneur from all over the world every day. So yeah. there's a lot of good stuff there. And then the Ask Gary V show I watch on YouTube generally, but that's also a podcast, and I, I, I dig that one a lot. 
Right. That, yeah, those are some great, uh, great examples. Certainly startup is, is great. And you talk about this idea of vulnerability. We were talking about that with Aubrey, that um, for, for people that have not had a chance to listen to, to that particular podcast, um, particularly season number one, it, it follows yeah. this former NPR radio uh, producer as he goes on to try to build this business and mm-hmm. uh, or get into the startup field. And as someone who has been involved in building businesses over the last little while, I was just listening to him and he'd be recording his investor pitches and he's so bad and so awkward (laughs) and so vulnerable that I'm listening to it going, you know what? I am just as bad and just as awkward. (laughs) I'm sure I was when I was in those initial stages when I didn't really know what I was doing. And so for folks that are looking for a good one, that that's, uh, that's one that I'd certainly recommend. So Larry, it's great to have you part of this discussion. You have been instrumental, not only on the executive team, but you have also been a great uh, co-interviewer along with me for many, many episodes. So I wanted to get your take on a couple of things with regard to Promo Kitchen. So Larry, number one, how have you grown professionally since joining Promo Kitchen as a chef? Promo Kitchen to me is was one of the first major things that I did where I was stepping outside of Axis and really giving more to the industry outside. And one of the things that just continues to inspire me really just daily is the the amount of intelligence and the spirit of giving that comes from so many people from all over the country, from different parts of the industry, and how selfless everybody is because we're all technically competitors um, in many cases, and people give and share and are really interested in helping others grow. I think that PK, and, and this really goes back to the, the founders, the, the vision and the mission that one of the primary things that PK needs to be about is mentorship. And I think in this day and age, it, it means so much to um, everybody that there are people out there who are willing to give up their time selflessly and helping others grow and maybe even grow to be a competitor of theirs some point down the road. And, you know, we always joke around that there's kind of, you know, kind of honor among thieves type of thing where it's like, I'd rather, if I'm going to lose business, I'd rather lose business to someone that I like and respect than someone that I don't. So we're willing to share. And I think PK has been, has inspired me in ways to do other things and to be part of, of this group. So I think you guys have done a great job and I've hoped the small ways have contributed have helped others as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been a huge uh, contribution on your part. So thank you for that. Um, and Larry, I'm curious to get your perspective on this. So what role do you see Promo Kitchen playing in the industry? And can you think of any specific examples where a positive impact has been made since you joined the group as a chef? You know, I think PK is really, you know, in an amazing place, you know, within the industry because they have done a great job of um, doing things that are not threatening to any of the other established um, organizations or associations within the industry. And, you know, they've also, you know, kind of been very, PK has been very attractive to the, the a younger 
audience and has really found a voice in how to talk with them where I think some of the more established, you know, associations in the, you know, other within the industry uh, have been struggling about how to reach out to, I don't want to say, it's not only just about millennials, but like, you know, the, the, the new generations of people coming up and, you know, when you walk the shows, you know, there, there's definitely a need for new people, new energy. And I think PK is really well positioned, you know, to play a role in how the association grows and how the association moves and how we draw new young people into the industry. And like I mentioned before, how they get mentored to become better at, you know, at this, because I think the mission is not just mentorship, but it's also elevating, you know, what our industry is all about beyond just, you know, selling products. It's about selling marketing, about selling strategy. And, um, and I think PK has done a brilliant job, and again, I think better than really anybody has done, of using, you know, social media to educate, you know, people by bringing in people from outside the industry and going to people inside the industry and getting them to share their insights. You know, that's the thing that, you know, we need to continue to try to find new and interesting people that can bring new perspectives to um, to the industry. And I think, you know, one of the challenges that we as as chefs and others need to continue to try to expand beyond kind of the the people within the industry and finding some of the voices outside of our industry so that we can continue to to push you know the promotional product world as a as an advertising medium and and learning best practices from other industries whether it's you know technology related things or social media related things or time management related things but really getting experts outside of our industry to help raise the professionalism of our industry overall Right, right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Larry, for your insights. It's uh, the organization certainly has grown a tremendous amount uh, with you being being uh, on the executive committee, and you certainly add a lot of uh, an interesting perspective on the uh, on the podcast. I've certainly enjoyed doing a number of them with you, and and hope to do so for the next hundred of them, uh, hopefully. Well, me me as well. It's a it's a pleasure to be a pleasure and an honor to be part of of the group, and uh, look forward to continuing continuing and contributing more as we move along. Thank you, sir. A question for Jessica Hutwelker, one of our favorite chefs, and Jess, we've now produced a hundred podcasts, and I'm curious if you can share with us what the most memorable lesson is that you've learned. Uh. It's been pretty amazing listening to the different podcasts uh, over the, the couple of years that I've been involved in. Um, even re-listening to them as um, you know, preparing for this, it, it's like always so chock full of knowledge and insight that's helpful for the moment that I'm in. So even this morning, I was listening to a Seth Godin podcast I listened to a year ago and reviewing my notes and um, learning more things about it even you know the second time around, which... I think it's phenomenal to have the extensive library that we do. Uh, one of my very favorite uh, podcasts was the one that you and I did actually with um, Seth Barnett because um, Seth Barnett is with PPAI and he and I have been working over the year about having a conversation about millennials and the millennial presence and just this, this need to really bring it up to the forefront um, 
in TPAI and in the industry itself. And uh, the podcast that we did was just such a great continuing of that catalyst and then where he's been able to continue it and grow it. And now he's speaking all around the country on behalf of us and our industry to universities and marketing, um, you know, other affiliations and stuff like that. And that's so thrilling and exciting that, you know, we were a part of that change and drive that really makes, has made a difference and is making a difference for the benefit and vitality of our whole industry. So I want to, I want to ask you a follow-up question to that, Jess. Um, We did that episode, I think 12 to 18 months ago. And I'm curious as to whether you have seen in your career, whether it was at Sunrise and of course you're now at Magnet, have you seen an improvement as it pertains to more millennials within the industry, whether they're end clients or specifically people within the industry? Like, is there, has there been progress since that podcast? That podcast was in October of this past year. And then Seth and I spoke together at Expo and we gave two presentations. And then the second part was for business owners. And Seth and I both were like, I don't know, it's going to be a low turnout. And we were blown away to see that the room was packed standing room only. And that that was a really great indicator to us that this is important and people are getting the message and they're feeling the pain and they want to grow. Awesome. Well, it's great to see that that uh, positive momentum is there. Um, Nate, I want to turn over to you. We've produced these 100 podcasts. What's been the most memorable lesson from your vantage point? Well, I thought the podcast with um, Aaron um, Draplin was uh, particularly interesting. One, he and Danny you know, a guy that's not really in our industry yet, you know, is a, is a graphic designer first and foremost, but creates and produces merchandise. And just the thing that I took away from him most about his podcast was when he when he was talking about a pencil. And, you know, uh, you know we talk about selling pens and, and sometimes how um, lame that is, how we don't want to sell pens, but how he how he took a pencil and instead of just putting a logo on it, his logo on it, he talked about, you know, coming up with something um, clever that makes it unique and stand out, just giving his perspective on the world and on promotional merchandise and on uh, making merchandise and how to think about it. And so it's really become a part of how we think about things with our clients on the different ways we can package or present merchandise to our clients' clients. It's more than just, you know, slapping a logo on it. Right. Yeah. He was a real character. We were uh, talking about that with T and Danny and uh, T was sharing her perspective on like how thrilling it was for her to be speaking to someone who is a fellow graphic designer and how he's been able to carve out this uh, rich segment within his uh, graphic design world. So that was that was super cool. And he was like off the cuff, you're dropping F-bombs all over the place. And it was uh, it was really, really cool. I want to turn this over to Bobby. And before I ask him a question, I want to give uh, a serious shout out to Bobby for not only the people who are on this, but also the people who are listening, that the Promo Kitchen podcast would not have been born had it not been for Bobby Lehu. Uh, I remember it was maybe 2011, Bobby shows up at some PPAI conference with uh, these crazy snow globe microphones and he's got his MacBook and he's like, hey, like we should do this podcast. It's this cool thing that's going on. Like I'm going to turn these mics on. I'm going to have trouble clicking record, by the way, but I'm going to turn these mics on and we're going to go and like interview some people and ask them some tough questions and just try to be really curious and, you know, nerdy. And 
I said, hey, Bobby, sounds cool. I'm happy to, uh, you know, go alongside with you. And anyway, so you you were certainly the, uh, you know, the creator of this. And thank you for that, Bobby. Uh, a lot of failed experiments back then, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Yeah, colorful, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, Bobby, I, I, I want to ask you, as as sort of the father of all of this, um, oh God, what what are some of your favorite PK podcast moments? Um, m- most of mine are off mic. Um, <laughs> exactly. The, uh, the, the uh, they're great episodes. I, I will tell you, I, I don't have necessarily favorite episodes. I have favorite moments. I think uh, when Cameron Popkin was on, um, you know, Cameron's like the Hunter S. Thompson or Charles Bukowski of our industry, and the fact that he delivered that extemporaneously from his car was a lot of fun, and it was atypical Popkins style. And then the recent Chuck Fandos episode, to me, was one of the most illuminating episodes. It kind of epitomized what the PK podcast is all about. I mean, Chuck shed light on the process of acquisition, gave some crucial advice, and you know whether you're in acquisition mode or not, it was a, one of the best episodes, I think, that's been recorded. So kudos to everybody who was involved in that. Um, I, and that was the episode where I said, yes, you know, we did it. It, it arrived. PK podcast arrived, I think, at that episode, in my opinion. Um, the conversations with Trevor Neeson and Danny Sermon were memorable because they were about the real bottom line, personal peace and equilibrium, uh, and, and the struggle for it. I think those were the real moments that when we started this, we wanted to move the conversation we were having in the bars and the restaurants to the public, and that was what we were striving for. And it's really tough because it's public, and people uh, have a hard time being vulnerable. And there were some great moments in some of these podcasts. And then, of course, my had many off-camera moments, if you will, uh, ranking high up there was the time Mark had trouble with his audio. He couldn't hear uh, I mean, he could hear, but he couldn't speak, which was glorious. And so Danny Rosen and I hurled insults at him. It had to be 20 <laughs> minutes of insults. And by the time he got back on the mic, we'd actually sung him pretty good because he was, yeah, it took him a while to gather his composure, which was not like Mark. That was fun. That was an absolute blast. And then the, the conversation with Seth Godin just prior to going on air was fascinating. Yeah, that is right. That Yeah, that and, and the fact that he had called in, like, 45 minutes or something before, yeah, before we, just we were supposed to go on. Yeah. Right. I, I will tell you, by the way, that when you were making fun of me and you were uh-huh. saying that I've got like spray painted lawn furniture in my office, <laughs> well, you, you, you've since been to my office and yeah, I don't think that there's, you know, it's, you know, it's maybe it's like, lacquered, it's, but it's still, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty bad. Um, right. All right, Bobby, that'll be the last question I'll ask you. You can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill Petrie, what guest surprised you the most and why? You know, I, I, it surprised me but didn't surprise me, and it, it, it's Jason Lukash. Um, you know, he's a good friend of all of us and, and part of this group, certainly, but his raw, his raw honesty about our industry and what he liked about it with his company, Oreg Audio, entering it and what he didn't like about it and how he could exploit that uh, in his company was absolutely fascinating uh, for me because he blends uh, both the retail side of of his business with the promo side of his business. It was fascinating because he's one of the few suppliers that unabashedly will say, I'm putting my logo on every product because he's building his own brand uh, through the promotional products industry. And I think it's fascinating how he has really done that 
um, I, I, that surprised me, just the, the unabashed honesty. I think that's one of the, the hallmarks of the PK podcast is, is people get honest on this. Um, in, in a world where people are generally couching their comments and, you know, I'm going to filter this and I don't know if I want to say that, Jason was such a breath of fresh air of, hey, man, this is exactly what I think. This is exactly what I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, fine, don't buy from me. I'll move on. I agree. I mean, he was a real breath of fresh air is maybe not the right way of putting it. But um, I mean, Bobby, you'd mentioned Cameron Popkin. I actually draw a lot of parallels between Jason and Cameron and that yeah. they're both anarchists, right? Like just people yeah, that right. don't really care what other people think of them, which can be good and bad. I mean, at the end of the day, right. there are going to be some people who are not going to like Jason Lukash or Cameron Popkin. And at the end of the day, that's fine. But I think there's so many people that can't weather criticism and they want to be friends with everyone and they want to be everything to everyone. And at the end of the day, you don't really build a compelling business if that's the case. So what do you think, Bill? Uh, when I think of Jason, you know, it's almost like uh, let the path be lit by the bridges I burn. And he, he doesn't care. And I think that's a good thing. Um, and so I don't know if Bobby wants to jump on the tail end of that. Well, sure. I mean, capitalism carries this. I'm a little torn because one of the beautiful things about the, the Promo Kitchen community is that, you know, capitalism almost by definition is the false definition, but it carries this false notion of individualism. We love and respect the individuals, but being a distributor or supplier means by definition you already exist in a collaborative ecosystem. It's an odd irony that by defining who he is and who he isn't, um, he will attract the right kind of people to him that will be absolutely rabid fans. And I think that's what happens with both Cameron and with Jason. Yeah. And you could say Aaron Draplin too. He's, he's one of yeah. those characters too, just to get it back on that. Um, why don't we move along? I want to, uh, I want to ask a question of Roger, uh, Roger Burnett. Where do you think we can take this podcast over the next hundred episodes? Oh boy. Yeah, that's, isn't that something? So, you know, I was looking back on the, the history of this and, what people may or may not know is that the 100 episodes span five years. If we were to maintain that pace five years from now, I think what many of us on this uh, discussion would agree is I, I doubt the industry will look much like what it looks like today in five years' time. Yeah. Really interested to think about what that might look like and how it might inform the content and the um, guests that we might in, invite on to, to participate with us because, you know, we all, if, if Promo Kitchen does anything, I think we try to light the way towards where maybe the future might be taking all of us. And certainly if we're going to keep doing what we're doing in that regard, I would suspect that the nature of our attendees and participants is going to get dressed drastically different over the course of the next hundred. And um, what I'd really like to see us do is, you know, continue to push the edges of where our industry may touch um, people who buy it yep. and use the platform to continue to try to engage folks on that periphery so as to show our listenership, you know, where those edges might reside as those five years uh, unfold. Right. To be clear, are you speaking about bringing on end clients as guests so they, they can talk about their experience with promotional products or am I misunderstanding your answer? No, I, I think probably more Mark in, in the line of as we continue to try to advance the value of the medium that we promote as being more marketing driven as opposed to just being uh, you know us showing product. Yep. 
uh, as we continue to engage those areas where perhaps promotional products exist but aren't considered top of mind, I'd like to see us continue to try to engage people on that periphery yeah. so that they can they can see us as uh, a valuable medium in the mix of the thing. So I could see us, you know, ad agencies and you know, places like that, uh, significant produ commercial producers, you know, other kind of content producers as these platforms that are supporting content and its distribution continue to evolve. I think we be really smart to stand at that nexus every time we can and help promote uh, you know what our industry is capable of doing. No, absolutely. It's super, super interesting. Dale, I want to switch gears and ask you a question about uh, the role that you see Promo Kitchen playing in the industry. And I'm curious as to whether you can draw on any specific examples where a positive impact has been made since you've been a chef. As far as uh, where where I think PK can play in this industry, I'm, I've been a part of some groups before, uh, Young Executives uh, Promotional Products Association or Specialty Advertising Association, which became the Promotional Products Mentoring Network. And the one uh, thing that I see that has always been a challenge in this industry is getting the mentoring, uh, formal mentoring program going. It seems like it's been tried many, many times. And PK has real momentum right now with the mentoring. And I think part of that is just our very dedicated group of volunteers, both the chefs and the non-chefs, really believe that's going to play a very big role. I know I mentor some people both in the industry and out of the industry formally, and it's really impactful to them when somebody spends time with them and it's just, you know, almost a coach, a personal coach. And so between that and bringing in millennials in, into visibility, visible roles, I think is really important and it's going to bring up a lot of future leaders and I believe already has. So that's, that's the role I see it playing largely the millennials and the mentoring program, which uh, this year has been our best year ever and it's going to continue to get better. So a follow up on that, um, Dale, I'm, I'm curious if you can share with me what guests we should have on the podcast that we've not yet had. Well, the one, one thing is very top of mind for me right now as I'm preparing for PPAI's North American Leadership Conference, and that is there's a, a group of people I work with, um, at least two of which are millennials, uh, and then the other uh, group I think is old like me, um, but this is the group that's working on standardization in the industry, and while standards is a boring topic, generally speaking, it is an interesting, important topic for us long term. So I would say one group of people would be uh, John Norris and Eric Schoenberger, and Michael Conway that I work with a lot. And it's a larger group than that, but those are the three that I work with. It'd be a bit of a geeky, techie call, um, but we have some fun and they know how to talk business. So I think we could, we could um, turn that into a conversation that's meaningful. Absolutely. The other one I think is interesting is not millennial related. I don't believe, and maybe I'm wrong, we've ever had a VC or a private equity firm that's invested in an existing company or mm. divested of an existing company. And I think it'd be fascinating to talk to either a current investor or a previous investor about how they view it. Because yeah. Chuck, Chuck Fandos, I agree with, I think it was Bobby, that that was just fascinating, so insightful. And I'd love to hear it from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, I think those are two amazing ideas. One episode that I recorded literally yesterday and may even be published prior to this episode going live is a um, conversation I had with David Nicholson about the acquisition of Polyconcept by uh, their new private equity firm. And we spoke a fair amount about why they chose to do that, the impact it's going to have on their business, the relationship they've had with their former private equity uh, outfits, of which uh, Charles Bank is now their third. And that's a phenomenal idea because what I found really interesting about speaking to him was 
the, the, the whole financial side of it. And you don't really, I, I think a lot of us in the industry don't really think about that as much. And uh, to have you know, someone like that or one of the private equity players that are behind Halo or the folks behind Hub, I think would be really, really interesting. So great idea. Let's get Absolutely. on Absolutely. Bobby, what other podcasts do you listen to and why? Uh, my favorite podcast is On Being with Krista Tippett. It's a yeah. beautiful podcast. Um, and, and they have, what I love about that podcast, they have an edited version and then a non-edited version. And when you listen to the non-edited version, you really get the idea that here are some of the best of the best doing it. And um, you get to hear all the ums and, and the mess ups. And it's kind of fun, but it's also a very rich podcast, very personal, very deep. Um, and then I like the, the Book Nerd podcast. There's a, there's a funny one called A Phone Call from Paul. Um, which is LitHub podcast, um, and they'll have folks um, just had Werner Herzog, Werner Herzog, am I pronouncing that right, uh, on, as well as other writers, uh, Salman Rushdie and folks like that. Uh, and it's a really um, spontaneous, off-the-cuff podcast. Then the New Yorker has some beautiful podcasts as well, and then the, the food geeky one, The Splendid Table, is so, it's produced well. It's just a gorgeous podcast. I think Krista did uh, an interview with Seth Godin sometime within the last yeah. 12 months. And, uh, and that was actually one of the first ones that I'd listened to. And, but yeah, her, her podcast is like super deep, really chill. <laughs> it just like listening to her, it just like puts you in that, you know, frame of mind. But uh, yeah, it's an absolutely great recommendation. Jess, I want to turn it over uh, back to you. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to how you have grown professionally since joining Promo Kitchen as a chef. And I'll just maybe set this up for listeners in that I know when I first met you, you were working with a distributorship in Florida. You then went to go work for Sunrise in Seattle. And then since then, you've now joined Magnet Group, and I believe you're still in, in Seattle um, for that job. And I, I'm just curious if you could talk about your professional growth over the last couple of years and just how it is that you've moved from those different uh, organizations. Uh, you know, I think so much of it as a catalyst really started with you, Mark, actually, when um, you invited me to speak on a panel at NALC a couple of years ago. And and then you just being so excited about that and then you offering to do a podcast with me and you having no idea that it was for Promo Kitchen until the moment you said, hello, Promo Kitchen listeners. And I was like, oh, my God, this is happening. Um, you know, and, and so I think that actually kind of like led up into, you know, becoming a Promo Kitchen chef, but it was on such a great trajectory for me to um, share my voice and contribute more to the industry and, and be involved. And um, from that point, I was, you know, doing Expo and WLC and presenting there and um, speaking at different things. And so it just has helped me so much to grow as an individual and to, um, I love to contribute. And I think that's why we're all chefs is that we do care so much, not just for the industry, but for the growth and development the human potential of the people in our industry. And, um, you know, there's people in my life that are like, you know, I don't know any other industry that does this. I don't know any other industry that's so inclusive from being at Matchup when I first spoke to you to going to Sunrise and then being offered the incredible opportunity to come over to the supplier side with the Magnet Group. Um, it's just been such a a joy and, and journey that I really, I give so much thanks to the chefs and um, the industry at large. It's been really phenomenal for me. And then even now, they're like, you're able to be on Delivery Marketing Joy and having a guest blog for 
um, brand debate and stuff like that. So it's just been very, very cool. I'm honored to be a part of that. I'm super curious about something you just said uh, in in your answer, and it, it's that you find that the industry is um, inclusive and welcoming and collaborative, and all of which I completely agree with. But I'm I'm always struck, and maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question to Bill. I'm always struck by this tension between what you just said, Jess, with this business being very collaborative and inclusive, with comments that I hear from other people that are like, why would I ever speak to my competitor? Why would I ever need to, why would I ever want to share anything with a competitor? I I don't trust that particular person or he or she has stolen my business or they might have um, stolen an employee of mine. So as a result, I'm going to stay very insular. And, and and I certainly hear those comments and I've certainly heard them from people that say, hey, it's really great what you guys are doing in Promo Kitchen, but I don't really get it. Bill, here's the end of my long question. Are we living in a bit of a bubble here in terms of people that are saying, hey, this industry is great and collaborative and really, really friendly, but the reality is that there's this whole other sea of people that are, don't feel that way about, about the industry and about their competitors and that they would rather just go on thinking of things in more of a zero-sum kind of fashion? I think the short answer to that is yes, and then which means I'm about to get into a long-winded rambling answer. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> it made it longer than my question. <laughs> uh, well, that that's going to be a challenge, but we're going to give it a go. I think we, you know, more than any other industry, I've any other industry I've been a part of. It seems that the populace seems to grasp onto this is the way we've always done it, and they extrapolate that to mean this is the way we're always going to do it. So while they're they they a lot of people will say they're open to collaboration i don't know if they really understand what that means so i look at it as almost a secret collaboration it's a lot of back channel speaking and i'd like to learn from you but i don't want anybody to know i'm really talking to you about it and it's i'm going to you know you, you look at for example the promotional products facebook group which which can be a very infuriating group it also can be a great uh, group as well but people will say, I'm looking for this pen, and they'll take great pains to block out the logo that's, let's say it was McDonald's. Are they really thinking that no one can figure out that someone is selling McDonald's logo writing instruments? It just is a very strange, bizarre thing. So I think people talk a good game about collaboration, but it's the true, the people who actually embrace collaboration that are the ones that are moving the industry forward. So I, I don't know if I answered your question, but I, I did ramble a little bit, which I said I'd do. I, uh, <laughs> I, do, I, don't, I don't think there's enough collaboration in our industry. I think it's, you know, people are scared to talk to their competitors, especially on the distributor side. I think there's a lot more collaboration on the supplier side, but on the distributor side, it's very much... Uh, I don't want you to see my client list. I don't want you to know who I'm working with. I don't want you to look at my salespeople the wrong way. I certainly don't want them talking to each other because, God forbid, they start comparing notes in terms of their compensation. So it's it's these little fiefdoms that uh, I really think make it very difficult for us as an industry as a whole to move forward. I think yeah. it's an excellent answer. And Jess, I know you had your hand up again. You wanted to add another another point um, to, to what Bill just said there. Yeah, and I can only speak on behalf of myself, but you know, for the first eight to nine years of being in the industry, I was on my own island. 
I was very insulated. Really felt like I was drifting alone in where I was at, the way our company had had been at that time. And it was going outside comfort zones, you know, and being the seeker. It's like we're not on an island. We're actually on this huge area of um, opportunity to seek out incredible mentors and, and people in the industry. And it's up to us to do that. It's very easy to say or feel that we're in this alone and we're in competition with everybody else and, you know, all that stuff. And it doesn't even have to be about trading business strategy or anything like that, but how can we grow as people and how can we know that I'm not alone? Um, Because competition is going to exist. But like Seth Gordon has said, it's like the sum of all of us is better than just one, you know. Um, All of us know more than any of us. And so I think that that's something about seeking that out um, and, and being brave to do that and asking those questions, um, you know, and that's why we have the North American Leadership Conference and that's why we have the ASI Power Summit because you bring these business leaders together and somehow they put down their, their swords and their, their shields for a few days and, and collaborate. So I know it's possible because I've witnessed it and I've been a part of it. it it's about getting out of that mindset that we're on an island. Yeah, absolutely. Bobby, I know you've got your hand up. You wanted to, you wanted to add something. Yeah, I, you know, the whole premise of Promo Kitchen has always been about collaboration, but um, one of my favorite quotes is from the French writer and Buddhist monk, Matthew Ricard, who said that cooperation is a much more complex form of creativity than competition. And I think it's harder. It's harder to collaborate. It's harder to take the time to do what we're doing all here today with busy lives and busy businesses. But we know it's going to be a richer experience. And another of my favorite quotes, Nick Cave, a great songwriter who said, you've got to understand your limitations, and it's your limitations that make you the wonderful disaster that you most probably are. And he said that's where collaboration comes in, to take an idea that's blind and unformed and then has been hatched largely in solitude and allow these strange collaborator creatures to morph it into something else. The other aspect is that Promo Kitchen, by an analogy, is perfect with the, the restaurant and food business because they are distributors too. There's this false claim that we all do the same thing, sell the same thing, sell the same products, which is not true. We serve different clientele just like a restaurant does. They take, the, they take similar vegetables and turn them into some unique experiences for each of their customers. And the same thing with chefs. With When you look at the chef and the restaurant industry, you see this hyper-competitive yet hyper-cooperative environment um, amongst them, and that's why I've always loved the analogy. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great, great point. Nate, I want to come back to you and ask you the question about how you've grown professionally since joining Promo Kitchen as a chef. Well, well I've grown a ton, you know, since joining Promo Kitchen. I think, you know, I, re- I wrote a blog post about you and and um, Danny and uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and Obi Wan, yeah, Bobby. <laughs> about being the Mount Rushmore, and I think what it, it has allowed me to do is have access to these different businesses. When I started, you know, as a one man show, we're now, you know, have four basically in the sales department and three in our creative department. So we're a seven man team now, or seven person team, I should say. And um, and so just the access to how different companies of different sizes run their business. And so I went from being really, you know, this sales guy who thought I could, you know, do my own thing to really understanding how really bright minds um, run their business, manage people, um, you you know, uh, and that sort of thing. So it's really been, you know, a master's in business uh, of management for me. And um, through not only just the network of people inside of Promo Kitchen who are so you know, open the things I get from you guys in terms of do- internal documents and and 
you know, you know, Mark, you had me out to your offices, right sleep offices, to just basically talk to anybody about how you operate your business and just those kinds of things. And then, you know, getting to learn from the articles written, um, you know, getting into Kirby's content that he creates and Bill's content that he creates and the promo kitchen content. It's just, you know, it's just really been for me, you know, a, a master's in business from a guy who, you know, skated through college with a communications degree because it didn't have any math um, and to, to really getting to the education that I needed to, to grow, a, you know, a, a successful business. So it's just been um, a huge professional growth for me. I would say, you know, it's helped with my sales, but it's just really helped me as a, as a president, founder, and CEO that, that's been invaluable for me. Well, it's been exciting to see that journey, uh, Nate, and certainly well remember that visit when you came to town and just to see how it is that you've continued to grow and ask great questions of, of everyone that's in the community. And, you know, I would say the same. I, I think that probably a lot of people on this call would agree. All right. Uh, Robert Fiveash, uh, current president of Promo Kitchen. You've done a phenomenal job since stepping into the role in January. Uh, this podcast would not be complete without some of your perspectives. So I'm going to start off by asking you the question about the fact that we've produced a hundred podcasts. And I want to know what have been some of the more memorable lessons you've learned and been able to apply to your life and business. Man, uh, that is that's pretty deep there, Mark. Um, I will say. A couple things, if you don't mind. Um, I think the main thing is that you just never know what you're going to get when you when you get on the podcast. I know you and I have talked about this a couple times. I think we've done six or seven podcasts together so over the last few years. And you know, you might have a Jacques Panis who is this um, you know young, energetic, outgoing, you know, uh, just dashing young young CEO. And you might expect something, and then we might interview a seasoned CEO that uh, maybe doesn't have that same image. And, and what you get oftentimes is not what you expect. And, and one example I think you and I talked about, we had no idea what we'd get from John Levine, who was uh, who's with the Image Group. He was the, They were the folks that bought um, the e-commerce sites, Bag Warehouse, and Thirsty Promo. And I think both of us were surprised at, at John's level of, of, of clarity and sharing and just being an open book. And, and I just, uh, you know, I think we both were astounded at, at his level of, of of um of transparency and we we really appreciate it. So I think you just you never know what you're going to get. I think that's the first thing. Um, I think the the second thing is preparation is key. You are you are really really good at this. You're really skilled at it. You know one one uh, you know one day you're Wolfman Jack, the next you're you're Casey Kasem. I don't know I don't, I don't know what I'm going to get with you, but it's always smooth and it's always good. So I think the preparation piece is key, and and I think that's key in life also. Um, and finally, I think the the less scripted is better. You know, sometimes we'll 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 work from a script and and it follows the script perfectly. And I think some of the more memorable moments are when we we get off script or at least get the uh, get the the interviewee off script. I think that's when we get our most interesting answers. Right, right. You know, I I agree. I think that you know, and and Bobby and I would speak about this back in the early days when he was involved in getting this thing kicked off. That. Oftentimes, the most interesting part of the podcast was the time before we click the record button. <laughs> exactly, and um, and the time afterwards, actually, too, when we're we're sitting there, sort of doing our our recap with the uh, the interviewee. Some of that's amazing stuff, too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what guests surprise you the most and, and why did they surprise you? I kind of always go back to one person, and and I, I maybe I need to open up my, my my brain a little bit here, but I always go back to Seth. And I guess we've we've had Seth on twice, and and you've done a phenomenal job with with Seth. And I know you have a, a close relationship with with him, but you know he is so good all the time. You know, I think um, there certainly out of the hundred, there are some that are, are home runs and some that are, are singles. And, and, and he's a home run every single time. It doesn't matter what the topic is. He's always on point. Um, and, you know, there, there are hundreds, thousands, whatever the number is of, of people that do a daily blog in, in our industry or outside of the industry or marketing in general. And obviously, he's one of them. And every single one of his, you know, almost, almost every single one of them are on point. They're not too long. They're not too short. They're just, the guy has, has some sort of, of, of talent that I just, I don't quite, I can't really comprehend it. So in terms of, of who surprises me over and over in, in his excellence, it's Seth. And I, and not to be kissing up to Seth, but I just, I'm amazed at how on point he is every single time. I love it. Right. No, he is he is a, a unique uh, a unique person, and we're certainly very lucky to have him come on the podcast. Uh, it's uh, it was a real real joy for sure. Um, so I want to ask you this one one other question here. Where do you think we can take this podcast over the next hundred episodes? Well. Um you know, I, I think a lot of it uh, depends on on technology and bandwidth and things like that. But um, and this is this is nothing new. But the idea of, of video, um, video casts, where where we're, perhaps we're stitching together snippets of of, uh, of video that you know may, maybe we've got a a question for our audience um, and we are able to stitch, we're able to send out the same question to you know, fifty, a hundred people, ten people, whatever the number is, and get uh, fifty, ten. Hundred answers back and stitch this, stitch this together in in a, a seamless video. And I know the technology is out there to do that. Um, Danny and I, my business partner Danny Rosen and I, got a a uh, kind of a blast from the past last week. Um, somebody that reconnected with us, and he he sent us just this. Yeah, I can I'll describe it later. But this this amazing little little package. Um, and inside the package was this technology that we downloaded. We 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 uh, we had there was a QR code, and we we we. Uh, scan that and all of a sudden this guy is here asking us a question and right. we very seamlessly had the the ability to reply back to him with a video and so you, you start to think of something like that where we've got a, a really interesting question to ask some segment of our industry and within you know a day or two without having to schedule hundreds of different interviews with people or, or what have you all of a sudden we've got a huge amount of really interesting content that we can stitched together for a, a quick video podcast or what have you. So I think that's, you know, assuming the, the, um, the bandwidth is there, um, I, think, uh, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that the, you know, part of the, um, I don't know whether it's charm or, or what you'd call it, but uh, that we have chosen to host this as an audio only podcast, um, you know, I think kind of hearkening back to this uh, relationship that people on the podcast can have with listeners is it's a unique one um, when 
it's just through the radio, right? Kind of this yeah. fireside chat kind of concept. Love um, but the idea of being able to broaden that into video, you know, whether there's social angles that we can bring into it or just things that we haven't even thought of uh, right now, I, I think are things we're definitely open to. And uh, I mean, that's the nice thing about having this broad chef community that allows for us to tap the experiences and expertise of, of different people that come to the table. So, yeah, um, I love it. I love it. Good. Exciting. Well, Robert, it's, uh, thank you so much for everything that you have done. You've been a great uh, co-host. You certainly uh, co-hosted many of these episodes over the last couple of years. It's always been a real trip to do it with you. And of course, for all of your uh, leadership uh, that, uh, that, you've, that you've done at the helm of the organization since January. So thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. It's been, been my pleasure, and you've, you've taught me a lot, and I've, I've enjoyed every bit of it. You bet, my friend. Charity, it's so awesome having you on the podcast. You've played such a big role in uh, helping me produce these podcasts and putting every one of the episodes up. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions to get your take on the last uh, couple of years. So I'll start off with this one. Um, we've produced 100 podcasts. What's been the most memorable lesson that you've learned? I think the most memorable thing that I've learned from all of these podcasts is that whether you're inside the industry or outside of the industry, promotional products play such a big role in the daily lives of people, whether they know it or not. And I love that what we have done is get both an insider's and outsider's view of the industry one and then marketing on a whole. And so it just increases the value, I think, of what we provide by just getting that full circle view of how we as an industry fit into the marketing ecosystem. Right. So following on that, is, is there a guest over the last hundred episodes that surprised you the most? I don't know if anybody necessarily surprised me the most, but I think my favorite podcasts have surprisingly been people that are outside of the industry. So like when we did Pen Holderness, for example, just a fun person to listen to. The creativity that he brings to the table completely surprises me. And then I also love when we are able to get in on some of the breaking stuff for like, we, example, when we had the... Uh, the port, what was it, the labor dispute at the port in Long Beach. I love that we were able to bring that on. And so I think that was surprising to me that it was so interesting to hear something that's so uh, pertinent and relevant to the industry that maybe you wouldn't think of on a day-to-day -day basis when you're approving proofs and, you know, doing quotes for products and different things like that. It's nice to hear those types of things and really break outside of our little uh, little shell that we get sometimes put ourselves in. Yeah. Um, what other podcasts do you listen to and why? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I love podcasts. I just recently got into them actually thanks to Promo Kitchen. I never really done a whole lot of podcast listening before. But I listen to um, The Art of Charm with AJ and Jordan Harbinger. And yep. then the Smart People podcast with John and Chris. That's kind of fun. And then I don't know if anybody's listened to Sophia Amoruso's Girl Boss Radio, but that as a female entrepreneur is pretty empowering. Uh, totally love it. And then obviously Nerdist and I Love Marketing with Joe Polish and Dean Jackson. And then Freakonomics with Stephen Dubner. So there's just a ton of really great podcasts out there. Google Play has been my best friend trying to find those. So I'm excited to move Promo Kitchen that way, hopefully, and have that accessible there so it can fit in with all the other greats. 
Yeah, no, those are some great recommendations. Uh, certainly the Freakonomics one is uh, sort of lovably goofy. I, uh, go, it, but I also learn lots from it as well. So I'm curious if uh, you can let me know which guests we should have on the podcast that we have not yet had in the last hundred. This is such a tough one for me because I think there are so many people that I would love to have speak and to hear their opinions on things. And man, if I had to pick... Mark Graham, I think you've maybe stumped me. <laughs> there are, I, I'm trying to think of who who I've talked to or like listened to recently that I would love. If I had to think of maybe like the super disruptive people that I would love to have on here in the industry, out of the industry. How about Mark? Darth Vader? <laughs> I don't know about Darth Vader. That seems like very doom and gloom and destruction. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But okay, so let's go that route, though. <laughs> You've talked doom and gloom and disruption, then I'm like, oh, Amazon. So if we could get, and this is, I, I don't know, opening up a can of worms, because do we let Amazon know that we're worried about them? Do they already know? But it'd be really fun to have them on board and talk to, I don't even know who in their organization, but just talk to them about the plans that they have, maybe dispel some of the rumors, or maybe we'll, you know, learn how to adapt from um, maybe our impending competition. That might be something that's kind of cool. And then, yeah. you know, and I would love to hear maybe like some of the people from um, MozCon or some people that are maybe working on virtual reality type things. Uh, a lot of these, you know, high tech uh, innovators, which I don't have a lot of names yet because I'm still learning about that myself. But that might be maybe the next way trying to figure out how we can incorporate some of these new technologies into promotional products and maybe speak with somebody that would give us some insight on how to do that. So I don't have a particular name, but maybe those are the types of topics that I'd love to see um, and, you know, have somebody discuss those with us or even be on the podcast and be able to ask some of those questions. Yeah, no, for sure. So lastly, why should we continue doing this podcast? Oh, okay. So fun question. I think at first I was even skeptical. I'm like, oh, podcast, who's going to listen to those? Looking at the analytics, a lot of people are listening. And I love that this is easily digestible information that you can listen to while you're driving, you can have it on in the background while you're working. And it's just a different delivery method that's not tactile, that's, you know, not visual. It's just something that you can kind of intake and digest at your own pace. And I think that is what I love about it. And we should continue doing it because one, people are listening to it. And two, we've been able to have some really unique conversations with people that you don't just get from a one way written article. And so it's just a nice content delivery method that allows people to learn in a different way. And I think allows us to interact with not only the guests that are on the podcast, but the community in a different way than we typically do. So we should continue doing it because I think we're providing fantastic information. And I think that I also would love to encourage people that if they have somebody they would love to hear or, you know, get an opinion from or have us try to solicit to come on this podcast and ask a couple questions, would love to hear that information from the community. I think it's just a great way to get the community involved to continue hearing people voices and put a voice to the face, if you will, instead of a face to the name. And just a great way to actually think also what you miss in text is the ability to really convey emotion. And so I love that this podcast is a way to do that. So we should continue doing it because it's freaking awesome. And it's fun. And yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Charity. That was so great to chat with you. And uh, thank you so much for 
all of the time and energy that you put into helping get the podcast on the air, the amount of work that you do behind the scenes makes you certainly an unsung hero. So let's sing your praise. Oh, well, thank you. But thank you to you. And I know Bobby, obviously, who has put in a ton of work from the beginning, laying the foundation. I appreciate you guys. I know the industry appreciates you guys and your contribution is invaluable. So thank you. Right back at you. So I'm going to close off with um, with a question that Bobby... Hey, Mark. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mark. Hey, hang on. Before you do that, I, I, I'm sorry to just jump in here. Um, well, it's, it's your style, uh, you know, of course. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if uh, folks know how long an episode takes, but easily... Now, don't... And don't shut down on this, Mark. Don't blow this off. Um, easily, uh, at least back in the day, the episodes would take three to four hours when you consider the collaborative time to put it together, to contact people, to email, to align schedules, to figure out the topic when you think of all the time you spend, easily three to four hours, two to four, maybe two at the least when you think of recording and then editing and even though you're sending it to somebody who edits, there's a lot involved behind every episode. And I bailed on you long ago, but you stuck with this ever since. And I think I wish we could do a collective round of applause or something, but I just want to say thanks for staying with this. Because of you, you have brought a whole conversation to the industry that I think we wouldn't have had or at least have had in sporadic cases. We certainly have had it, but in this case, you've brought folks that have been able to give a voice and just kudos to you. As, as, they, would say yes. in Canada, as they would say in Canada, good on you. <laughs> Is that what they say here? <laughs> That's, it's what you say. Uh, I'm not representative of, <laughs> I'm not really sure what it is that I am here, but uh, anyways, but uh, thank you. It's, it's been, it's been a, a great ride and um, it, the, the podcast has really only been as good as the, the guests, as well as the people that have joined me along the way. I mean, Bobby, you were certainly right there at the very beginning. Jess, uh, Roger, you and I have done a few together. Uh, no question, Danny Rosen has been. You're, you're big, trying big to throw player, off so. a compliment, man. Just take it. And, you know, <laughs> Listen, I said thank you, but uh, no, yeah. and I mean, it is a, certainly a group effort, and there's no question it's been a ton of time. And if you were to ask, if you were to Still ask. Here, here, here's what I'd say. So thank you, but, and, and it does take a lot. It actually takes more than three to four hours an episode. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're shortchanging me there, dude. Right. Uh, it, take, it takes a lot of time, but I think that I, if I speak for myself, have come out of this a much, a much better person in terms of having met so many interesting people, the ability to ask all the questions that I've always wanted to ask. And it's made me, I think, a better rounded industry professional. So if, if, if I have got anything out of it, it's been that, you know, it's not like I'm not like I'm making money doing this, but I feel like I'm able to really learn uh, by virtue of having the guests on the show. I mean, you make the, uh, a few people had mentioned the episode with Chuck Fandos. I mean, that episode that I did with, uh, I think Larry Cohen and I were doing it together. It all every question if you go back and listen to that specific episode were questions that I was just dying to ask him because I was personally yeah. interested and so sure. it, it for me if it's a phone call where I can press record I mean sure there's a little bit more from a production values perspective but if you can share those conversations and have someone really interesting in a, in a co-host chair it's awesome right. so right. thank you Bobby appreciate that all right 
Last question, Dale, and you're not prepared for this, but I think you'll be able to answer it. Dale, why should we continue doing this? When I say this, I mean the podcast. Why should we continue doing this? That's a great question for me to ponder. I wish you would have prepared me for that. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think the answer in some ways comes directly from the comments about the Chuck Fandos um, podcast. And it's, that's just one that has resonated with a few of us, but it, it could be, and you, you gave a great answer where you just talked about how you just hit record and listen to it. It's what a great opportunity it is to ask these questions. Uh, you know, for the next 20 years or so, these podcasts that have been done over the last five years will be used by people. There will be somebody who wants to know more about Jessica one day, and they'll go and they'll listen to it, and they'll get some insight from her. I also think, for me, the podcast is the connection beyond those who are already connected. And the opportunity to get involved with Promo Kitchen, whether it's to be a mentor, whether it's just to connect, whether it's to eventually become a chef, is a really great opportunity for people to expand their role and, as Nate said, become more professional and, and basically get a little bit of an MBA. So it is the way to reach people beyond those we reach because we're already connected to them. It's the glue and it's full of great information. And I'll echo what was already said. You, you, not only do you do a lot of work to make the podcast, you are an incredibly good interviewer. And um, that is one of the reasons why the podcasts are so great. But not to end on a great note about you, I'll just go back to the learning for everyone is a great reason. And the fact that these last for so long is just incredibly valuable and it will tie people into our community, but also help them grow personally. Dale, the reason I asked you that without any preparation is I knew that you'd give an amazing answer. So there you go. <laughs> You're going to kill me for that as well. <laughs> well, thank you. Folks, why don't we sign off with that? Uh, with that, I want to um, extend a heartfelt thanks to everyone who has listened not only to this episode, but to folks that have listened to a variety of episodes over the last several years. On behalf of Promo Kitchen, this has been a great honor to produce this and uh, looking forward to the next hundred, as I said in the introduction. I think that uh, we'll get there quickly, hopefully not another five years, as, as Roger was indicating, but we'll get there and uh, we're going to continue to disrupt, ask some tough questions and have some fun along the way. So with that, have a great day.